You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James. And welcome, everyone, to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Colonel retired Colonel Carla Bass, founder of Right to Influence and author of a book by the same name. Carla's gonna, Carla is going to be talking with us today about crafting powerful performance reviews because it's that time in corporate America. So with annual, review, uh, annual performance reviews on everyone's mind, I am super excited to hear her thoughts on this really important aspect of our work lives. It's gonna be a great show. Don't go away, we'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome back to Workplace Perspective, Carla Bass. Hello and thank you for the opportunity. I'm so glad to have you back. I was I was looking back at our shows and we had you on the show just about this time last year, talking to us about how to be better writers uh, in our work lives. And today we're gonna be talking about performance reviews from both the employer and employee perspective. I'm super excited to hear what you have to say about all of that. But before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do? Sure, right right now, my, my mission is to teach people how to write powerfully. Why? Because it opens doors to opportunity that would otherwise remain closed. Now, with that in mind, and, and based on the difficulties that COVID has inflicted on everybody, I composed three free ebooks on my website. They address uh, how to write a standout resume, how to write a performance review, and how to write a grant submission. So I laser-focused everything I'm going to say on those three areas. But my, my journey um, has been amazing. For 45 years, I have written products for the White House and Congress and generals and ambassadors. Uh, 30 of those years was on active duty in the Air Force, and the last 15 was with a federal agency. The pivot point for me that changed my life and, and is what brought me to you today is when I was a lieutenant colonel, I was a squadron commander in Hawaii in charge of 480 wonderfully talented people. When I arrived, that unit was the most losing unit in statewide professional awards not because the kids didn't deserve to win, but because the supervisors could not write winning packages. So I developed my methodology, taught my guys how to write. We began sweeping the awards, and then I ended up teaching that for the next 15 years to thousands of people. And uh, when I retired, I, I, I pivoted that and turned it into a book that, that plays to everyone, corporate, business, private, and that's Right to Influence. Um, it's now in its second edition, and it's won eight eight national level awards. So this is what I do nowadays. 
Well, that's awesome. We'll have links uh, to your website and your publications on our podcast page when we get your show put up. But let's get into it. So when it comes to crafting these meaningful, powerful performance reviews, what advice can you offer to employers and supervisors and on the flip side, employees? Tell us what you're thinking. Sure. I have um, eight tips for the employer and supervisor. The first is to recognize that a performance review is a strategic tool. Not only are you grooming the future of the individual, you're also grooming the future of the organization because through it, you're trying to promote the best of the best. So it, it actually impacts the organization's future. Second is impact. Um, you need to make sure when you're telling these stories that you explain the so what. The impact is the, is the heart of the performance review. And supervisors, because of their elevated positions, have a, a wider perspective and they sometimes have a better um, uh, vantage point on what impact the individual actually had, like dropping a pebble in the pool. The, the individual can see the first couple uh, circles, but the employer has a bird's eye view and, and understands more. So he needs, he or she needs to explain that to the employee and make sure it's reflected in the performance review. Uh, the third tip is to position your subordinates for future successes. Create material for the next performance review. And by that, I mean uh, recognize outstanding performances formally with thank you notes or time off awards. Note compliments that they receive from clients and keep an email file for each, each employee that would, uh, where you can gather this, this very valuable material. The next is awards. Speaking of awards, if you have a superstar that you'd like to submit for an award and you're, you're really, really busy, ask that individual to draft a reward, uh, a nomination on him or herself to do the initial legwork. That does two things. It takes a little bit of the burden off of you, and it also gives that individual practice. And here's how you craft a hard-hitting, uh, award-winning report. Qualities. Do you, do you value specific qualities in an employee, like teamwork or flexibility, communication skills, or whatever? If you do, tell them that so they have that benchmark um, against which they can, they can measure their own performance. Number six, and this applies to everybody, is frame the story. Put the put the um, the item that you're describing in context with detail. Detail provides a mental yardstick where people can actually understand what you're trying to say. So, for example, uh, my most valuable branch chief sounds good, but you could only have one or two branch chiefs. So, say the most valuable of my eight branch chiefs, or Employee of the quarter, okay, but employee of the quarter selected from 45 peers. That's what I mean when I say put it in context. And the final two tips for the supervisor or the employer is start it off, think in terms of a boxer. You hit the reader with a solid right cross. That's the opening hook. And, and here are some examples of opening hooks. Uh, her top three of many accomplishments, blah, blah, blah propelled her office to new heights, and then continue. Uh, impervious to stress, he, that, 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 that. An opening hook like that tells the reader, pay attention, what follows is important. So that's the criticality of the open hook. The, the, last quote, the last words, the closing words, are as important as the opening hook because that forms the final impression. So examples of a, of a closing hook, the, the closing words would be, 
excelled in this top job, or her proactive can-do approach is contagious, or place in positions to influence others. So you've basically got a sandwich. You've got the, the hard-hitting opening, the, the center that focuses on the impacts and has the details, and then you've got the closing. So those are the thoughts for the supervisors. And for the employees, it's uh, let, so let painful me, let me ask, to let write. Let me stop you right it, there. Hang on just a second, Carla. Yeah. Let me ask you something, because we're going to take a break, and, and we'll come back and talk about the employee part of it. But let me ask you this about the supervisors. Mm-hmm. So those are awesome thoughts. That's great. I love the, you know, the con- putting things in context, the hook. But give us, just before we take a break, what are some traps to avoid for supervisors? Because, you know, you're looking at doing 10 reviews and it becomes formulaic. So are there some traps uh, to, to kind of avoid that were pretty obvious traps for employers? Yeah, and, and actually, I can actually talk to some of that when, uh, when I get to the tips for the employees. But the traps would be um, uh, don't write in bureaucratic blather. You have to make every – if you're trying to do do well by the employee, you have to make every single word count, every single space of that allocated area for your, for your review. So, so the useless words, the redundancies, the bureaucratic blather, purge all of that so that you, you leverage the space to that person's advantage. And that's one of the biggest mistakes – and, uh, and, and fuzzy verbs, sloppy verbs, and I'll, I'll get into that also. I've got some great examples um, following the break. So hard-hitting verbs um, and, and no bureaucratic blather. Th- those are the biggest traps. And prioritize. So the golden nugget, if you've got five or six accomplishments that that individual submitted, start off in priority of importance, and I'll, I'll talk to that too, the most important, the second important, the third important, and then at some point you're going to have to draw a cut line because there's not room for everything. But make sure that you've prioritized. So if the reader only has 30 or 40 seconds, the reader gets the most important stuff. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear more of Carla's thoughts on specific strategies and word sculpting tools for both employers and employees that they can use to create powerful performance reviews. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It sure means a lot to us, and it ensures that more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. 
Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about the importance of creating powerful performance reviews from both the employer and the employee perspectives with author Colonel Carla Bass. So let's keep going. You've got more tips for our employees, right? Employees, yep. So here we go. There's so much to say, so little time here. The first, first thing is own your success. You're not bragging. Uh, write objectively. Make sure you're, uh, you're made or ensure if, if you have problems, pretend you're writing about somebody else. But this is your success. You have every right to own it. The next is keep a job journal. Record accomplishments as, as they occur um, so that you don't lose those golden nuggets in the, in the uh, haste of trying to figure out what did I do 10 months ago. As you record the accomplishments, make sure you capture those details and the impact. Uh, here's an example of, of a bullet that failed to, to capture the impact and how it can be improved. Uh, developed and implemented a new marketing strategy. That sounds great, but it's only half a tennis swing. Finish it off by saying catapulted sales 30% this quarter alone, other divisions now emulating her approach. So that's an, an example of a hard-hitting, completely developed bullet. Once you gather all of the information that you think qualifies for the, the input, like I said earlier, triage it. Determine what is the most important, and you, you triage it based on a couple of factors. One, did this accomplishment have visibility external to your organization? Was it a first such occurrence? Uh, did it demonstrate teamwork or leadership or the other qualities that your boss um, seeks? Uh, was it on time or under budget? Did you get accolades for it? And if so, was it, if some important person complimented you, perhaps you can actually quote what that individual said in your input to the performance review. People sometimes don't think about that. Did you set a benchmark? So those are factors that you consider when you're triaging all that information that you gathered. The next tip is write proportionately. If you have four inches to explain what you did in an entire year and you spend one complete inch of that because the project was so gripping and so compelling and you worked so hard, you've just given one item 25% of your entire input. So, so if that, if that particular um, action only lasted a week, don't give it three months worth of space. So write proportionately. Awards, um, submit your own people for awards and then claim credit for that because those are hallmarks of fine leadership, you taking care of your people. Now the, uh, the specifics, verbs, use hard-hitting verbs. Here are, some, here are some verbs how not to do it. Provided extensive knowledge of, assist technical staff, provide, coordinates, don't do that. You want to use verbs like implemented, benchmarked, developed, formulated, partnered with, hard-hitting verbs. Bureaucratic blather. Get rid of that. So we're still talking about verbs. Listen to this hey, Carla, one. Result, me, result I love in that the word. I love that. Bureaucratic blather. Just for yeah. two minutes. Just give us two minutes on what that, what you, what that is in your mind. Bureaucratic blather is when you take 20 words to say what you could say in 10. Or if, if you, if you, if you write something that someone has to read four times over and you still don't understand it. Here's an example of bureaucratic blather in the context of verbs. Resulted in the prevention of. That is the same thing as prevented. Take a hard <laughs> look at. 
That's the same thing as examine. For the purpose of is the same thing as to. All right, so it, it's just go through and, and, and purge all of that horrible writing. Job-related jargon, I also throw in the category of, of bureaucratic blather, specifically gibberish. Know your audience. So if you're writing to, uh, if, if this review is only going to be reviewed by technical specialists, then technical jargon is okay. If it's not, then you need to write in terms that every man or every woman can understand. Example, um, from 324th Intel Squadron, received plus three minus three on a DLPT. Had no clue what that meant. Translated, because it was in gibberish, translated, the individual scored 95% in the reading and listening test on a Chinese defense language proficiency test. She, she, 95% on that. But you, that you wouldn't understand that because no one knows what plus three minus three DLPT is. So don't write in jargon if this review is going to be read by administrators, lawyers, communicators, by, by more general functional areas. Differentiators. These are words that send a really subtle message and it's all positive. Examples. In only, bump, bump, bump. Only is a key word. One of only, these all, these tell you that, that this individual is rising above the crowd, is standing out among peers. Named for, chosen for, nominated for, reported directly to. Okay, that directly is a key word because that tells you that there's going to be, a, a an individual of, of some gravitas there, reported directly to, and not everybody is good enough to be placed in that position. Uh, in an agency-wide, you can also um, indicate that you're rising above the crowd by scoping out the, the, the breadth of the competition, selected in an agency-wide competition for. So those are the tips on discriminators. Bureaucratic blather is also hogging space. So, for example, at the present time is now. In a rapid manner is rapidly. On a monthly basis is monthly. If you purge all of that, that was, was, then you cut down to the chase. You send a clearer, more precise message and, and you've, you've leveraged every single space to make your point. Don't you think that people worry about, I, I, you know, when you're faced with a performance review, writing your own, whether it's on your, in, on your direct reports or on yourself, you're faced with all that white space and you feel like, well, the more I put in there, the better it's going to be, whether it makes sense or not. So that's where you get all that bureaucratic blather and the fluffy words and stuff that doesn't mean anything. But you're actually saying you pare all that down and really look at making an impact with what you're writing. You don't need to fill up all that space, right? You, you, you are hurting yourself if you don't do that. Regardless of what you're writing, every author, regardless of what you're writing, is constrained by two things. You're constrained by the reader's time, tick, tick, I'm busy, and you're constrained by the person who best leverages that time and that space to make their case is the one who's going to win. I love that. I love that. Well, those are such great tips. I've got so much going on in my head. Is there anything else that you think it's important for our listeners to know when it comes to writing that really impactful performance review? No, that's uh, that 
that, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. But I would like to say that I have I, I put out um, a twice monthly, really short, concise surprise there newsletter that that has writing tips. That that the, the next one is going to be about here's how you frame a winning argument. There is a lot of strategy and a lot of thought that goes into writing a comp- making a compelling case and. If, if they would like to receive this, just email me at Carla at right2influence.net. It's, it's hugely popular. I value my readers' time tremendously. So every, every newsletter I put out is just, it's, it's, I value their time. So it's worthwhile reading. Well, that's the great. Is, the catch is make every word count and every second play to your advantage. And by following these strategies and word sculpting tools, that's precisely how you do it. That is good information. Carla, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise uh, with our listeners on this really great uh, topic. Oh, thank you so very much. If you want to learn more about Carla or her book, Right to Influence, you can find her on the web at www.righttoinfluence.net. That's W-R-I-T-E-T-O-I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E.net. You can also connect to Carla via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Bersaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. 